Welcome to the Life Central Podcast. It is so good to have you come and connect with us again this week. We trust that this session will be helpful to you in your faith journey. as we take communion together as a family this morning. Just just release your mind of everything, all distractions, all thoughts. Just focus on the Lord Jesus Christ and focus on what He did for us. Think on nothing else. However you want to be, whether that's sitting, standing, kneeling on the floor as a family or as individuals, whatever you want to do, just get into that space. This is just between you and Jesus. It's got nothing to do with anyone around you. Don't worry about who looks at you and who thinks what. It's got nothing to do with it. This is between you and God. Communion is a time for us to prayerfully commemorate what Jesus did for us. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed, took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he made a new covenant with us. This is my body which is broken for you Take it and eat in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup which is the new covenant of my blood, take it and drink in remembrance of me. And as you drink this juice, I want you to visualize this juice flowing through your body. And as your body absorbs this juice and takes the minerals and the sugars and the salts and it sends it to all parts of your body where it may be needed, just visualize for a moment that's the blood of Jesus that is covering you entirely from the inside out. We do this as a church continually, not just because, but because Jesus said we should do this frequently. For whenever you eat this bread and drink of this cup, prayerfully contemplate. In other words, think on his return, proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes to take us home. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right, so today we're wrapping up a series called He Gets Us. 
And uh, as we wrap it up today, um, we decided to wrap the series up with what I believe is probably one of the most important and significant areas of our lives, and that's relationship. Relationship, because we should all have relationships in our lives. If you don't have relationships in your lives, come talk to us afterwards. We'll connect you with some friends. <laughs> now, a young man was, was asked by God, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? What do you want? And in that moment, he could have asked for anything, but right there, he just asked for wisdom. He said, will you please give me wisdom? Today, we know him as King Solomon. We know him as the wisest man who's ever lived. Um, but years later, King Solomon would go on to, to, to write, and he'd write specifically into this area of relationship. And, and here's what, what, what this now more matured man, wise man, went on to say. He said, two people are better off than one. I just edited all my notes in one push of the button. There we go. Fantastic. We are back. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails or falls, sorry, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, if you've ever been to a couple of weddings, you might know the scripture quite well, because this is generally the sort of scripture that is used at a wedding. Uh, I use it at weddings all the time. Why do we use it at weddings all the time? Because it speaks so beautifully into what's really happening in that moment. We're talking about these two lives becoming one, being intertwined with each other, and how when we are willing to, in our relationship, invite God into that space, it's like we're adding this third strand to this rope. And, and, and ultimately, Solomon's saying, hey, two is so good. <laughs> but three is even better. Now, you might be sitting here today going, well, Ramon, that's fantastic. I'm a single person, and uh, I don't have a second person. Does that somehow diminish my value? Does that somehow mean that I'm not, not that I'm somehow less than because I'm on my own? Um, no, not at all. You see, even though the scripture was, was, is, is often, I want to say always, but, but often uh, read out in spaces when marriage is involved, and it's so fitting, this, Solomon wasn't speaking into marriage here. He wasn't writing to married couples. He was speaking into relationship. He was speaking to each and every one of us sitting here today. It's written for all of us because what he's really talking into here is he's talking into relationships. He's talking into friendships. He's working, talking into working together. 
He's talking into connecting. He's talking into helping each other, protecting each other. That's what he's speaking into here. You see, it's about a togetherness. It's about uh, getting a greater return for our life's work, for the things that we apply ourselves to. Guys and ladies, no matter which way we look at it, you and I, we were made for relationship. We we're made for relationship. This is what we're made for. So instinctively, we, we search out connection. We look for relationship. We look for that connection. I don't know if you've ever, ever considered how our relationships can so be the opposite of that. Where instead of working together, we kind of work against each other. Have you ever heard of something called crab mentality? Crab mentality. So what, what crab mentality comes down to is I, I, I get a bucket, I catch some crabs, I throw the crabs into the bucket. So I put a couple of crabs into the bucket and crabs can't get out. But the more crabs I'm putting into this bucket, it's kind of like the more they're kind of stacking on top of each other to the point where if they stack just right, one of the crabs can actually get out. But the moment that that crab starts reaching out, start wanting to climb out of the area that he's confined to, and another crab spots him, the other crab will physically grab hold of him and pull him back in. You don't have to ever put a lid on a bucket full of crabs. They are the lid. They do the job for you. They'll never allow each other to progress. No. <laughs> I'm captive. You're captive. Come here, buddy. And isn't it so sad that sometimes our relationships can work the same way? That when it comes to our relationships, we can get locked into that mentality where we don't work together for the furtherance of each other, for the, for the growth of each other, and for the growth of our relationship. But somewhere along the line, other, other agendas, other stuff starts to creep in, and ultimately, we're just looking for, how can I hold you back so that I don't look bad? But that's not God's heart for you and for me, because all that that does is it breaks relationship. It just causes broken relationship. And we're made for relationship. And in relationship, there is relational stress. All of us face it. And when this relational stress is not handled well, it has the potential to rob, up, rob us of the energy that we have for everything else in our lives. So the question that we've been asking ourselves over the past couple of weeks is, does he get us? Does he get us? When it comes to our relationships, does he get us? And I think to, to answer this question, to answer whether, whether Jesus actually gets us in these spaces, especially in the area of relationship, I think it's, it's, it's very wise for us to take a look at the relationships that he had while he was here on earth. For a moment, just stop and, and, and think about the people that he chose. Because again, he wasn't forced into those relationships. Those, those relationships weren't thrust onto him. No, he actually chose to hang out with a group of people. And as I look at the people that he was in relationship with, 
we can stop and just kind of examine them, consider them. Kind of the big one, the one that sticks out, you know, Judas. Here's Judas, the, the, the guy who actually ends up betraying Jesus, but he was his friend. Jesus, Judas is this friend of Jesus, and, and here Judas betrays him. I think of Peter. You know, when I think of Peter, I just think of this guy who's super impulsive. You know, then he's in the boat, then he's on the water, then he's chopping some oak's ear off. Then he's like, Lord, I'll never leave you. I'm, I'll like be the last oak here. When they switch the lights off, I'll be switching the lights off. And then in the moment where it matters the most, he denies him three times. Jesus had these two friends. They were called the sons of thunder. Talk about poster children for anger management. Hey, the sons of thunder. Imagine hanging around with those guys all day. I mean, they had a mom. Obviously, they had a mom. But um, even their mom, when you, when you meet their mom, you kind of understand them, you know. Like at one stage, their mom comes to them and, and, and she's like, hey, one day when you're in power, in her mind it was political, um, but she's like, one day when you're in power, can I have one of my sons on your right and one of my sons on your left? <laughs> like that's their mom. <laughs> There's this political positioning and, 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 and arranging going on. I, th- I think of, 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 of his friends who just argued amongst each other as to who's the greatest among all of them. I think how, how some of them fell asleep when he asked them to stay up and pray with him. Others ran away in his greatest hour of need. Like these were his friends, guys and ladies. These were the relationships that Jesus dealt with. They misunderstood him and they let him down. I could sum it up into this. They betrayed him. They denied him, and they misunderstood him. They betrayed him, they denied him, and they misunderstood him. So when it comes to our relationships, I believe it's safe for us to say, he gets us. The stresses, the the challenges, the strains that we might be facing in relationship, he gets us. And as I've spoken through these things. I don't know, maybe, maybe you have a friend, a co-worker, a, a, a family member. Maybe you have someone in your life that as we kind of spoke through these things, these names kind of started popping into your head. Started going, oh, it sounds like fill in the blank. Where you face these sorts of struggles in relationship. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe you've been denied. Maybe you've been misunderstood. And as those names pop into your head, so with that comes these feelings. Feelings of anger, feelings of frustration, feelings of resentment, whatever it may be. But they're very real feelings. And with those feelings comes stress. At one point, Jesus said this to his friends. He said to them, you people are too stubborn to have any faith. How much longer must I be with you? Why do I have to put up 
with you. And as Matthew, the tax collector, actually jots this down and records Jesus saying this, I feel it's very safe for us to say, he gets us. He gets us. When it comes to the things that we face in our relationships, he gets us. But here's his heart for his friends, even when he's feeling this way. Here's his heart for his friends. And we translate this through history and we see that it's his heart and his prayer for us as well. Where, he, where, where, where Jesus' friend John captures it this way. He says, he says, Jesus praying, he says, I pray, he's praying to the Father, he says, I pray that they will be one. Just as you and I are one. I pray that they will be one. Just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. What's he saying? Man, I I pray that they will work together. I pray that they will get along. That they will love each other. That they will protect each other. That they'll warm each other. That they will help each other. That's what I pray for. And I believe that this, this was Jesus' heart for his friends. That's Jesus' heart for us. Why? Because it's God's heart for us, isn't it? It's God's heart for you and for me. That we will be one and that we will be connected. See, God gets us. And he wants the best for us when it comes to our relationships. And I find this heart of God quite easy to relate with as, as a dad. Because the truth is, this is exactly what I want for my boy when it comes to relationships. As God looks at us, his children, and goes, this is what I want for you, my, my kids, in relationship. I look at my own son, and I, I can echo that. And I, I, I'm like, I, I get the heart of God in this moment, because that's exactly what I want for my son. You know, I want him to to work together with others in relationship. I I want him to help others when it comes to relationship. When he's in relationship, I'd I'd love to see him caring for others. I'd I'd love to, to see him protecting others. And today, as we get into this message, I'd love to just get very practical with you this morning and just speak into into four things that ultimately destroy relationship. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I didn't come up with them. Um, I found them. <laughs> um, it's ultimately the Gottman Institute um, that, that went and just like researched relationship and looked into relationship. And they looked into, into three specific areas of relationship. They, they looked into how they develop, how they grow, and how they die. How they develop, how they grow, and how they die. And then we're going to speak into four antidotes to these four destructive elements. Now, as we talk through them, I'm kind of putting a warning label on it. Because here's the truth. You might see yourself in this today. As I saw myself as I read it. Why? Because we're not perfect. (laughs) We're also not evil, we're just frail. Why? We're human. So ultimately, as you see yourself in any of this today, my heart for you, my hope for you, my prayer for you, 
is that you would be willing to own it. To not brush it off. But as you maybe identify yourself in one or two or more areas, to look at it and just go, okay, Lord, I'm willing for you to come and address this in my life. I'm willing to work with you to come to a, to, to, to a, a point of growth in my life. Is that good? All right, I've got three people who are okay with that. Beautiful. All right, so the first thing that breaks relationship is criticism. Criticism. Now, I'm sure I don't have to explain criticism too much. I'm sure we all have a very good idea of criticism. Now, I'm going to be using a word quite a lot today, and the word is partner, okay? The reason why I'm going to say partner a lot is so that I don't have to say husband, wife, son, daughter, co-worker, friend, grandmother, school teacher, like list every aspect of relationship that we could have in life. So please don't read anything into me saying partner. Partner is a simple word that I'm using today just to try and get through the material. Is that fair? Okay, cool. So when I say partner, you just fill in the blank. Is that good? All right. So criticizing, criticizing your partner, fill in the blank there, all right, is different than offering critique, than offering a, 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 or, or, or voicing a complaint. Because here's the thing, offering a critique or, or, or voicing a complaint is very specific. It's this specific thing, not person, thing. Whereas criticism is, I'm now attacking your character. I'm now climbing into you as a person, ripping it apart so that I can feel good because you're feeling bad. Very different heart, very different intent, very different outcome. It's okay to, 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 to offer a complaint, but stick to the facts. Don't climb into the person's character. Make sense? And criticism does exactly that. Criticism wants to climb into the person and ultimately leave them in a space where, where they, they feel like, like they've done wrong. So now I can feel good. Make sense? So ultimately, the important thing is to learn the difference between expressing a complaint and criticizing as a complaint. So expressing a complaint will be, hey, I was scared when you were running late and you didn't call. I thought that we agreed that that's something we do just to, to keep peace in the home, to, to let, keep our hearts at rest. Nothing wrong with that. Why? Because we've made an agreement. I'm, I'm voicing a complaint that, that I was concerned about you. Make sense? Criticism is, you're so flippin' selfish. You never think of anyone else. You only think of yourself. You didn't call me. You knew you were going to be late. I don't think you're forgetful at all. No, I think you're just flippin' selfish. That's what I think. Very different heart. Very different outcome. Fact. Now, I know that none of you speak to your partner, 
your loved ones in that shape or form at all. But you might know someone. You might hear the neighbors at time. I don't know, you know, but play the ball as it lies. Let's, let's say that. <laughs> I heard a statement recently that, that spoke specifically into parenting. And it said this, it says, said, if you keep criticizing your children, they won't stop loving you. They'll just stop loving themselves. And you can take our children and put in spouse, whatever that may be. But when I, when, when I saw that, man, it hits home hard. It hits home hard. You need to be careful with our intent, guys and ladies. All right. Now, where criticism reappears with greater and greater frequency and intensity, what follows is contempt. And contempt is the second thing that breaks relationship. Contempt. What is contempt? It's like this superiority complex. You know what a superiority complex is? The opposite of an inferiority complex. All right. All it means is that I, I communicate in truly mean ways. Um, where we treat each other with disrespect and we use, we use sarcasm, we use ridicule, we, we call each other names, uh, we mimic each other in belittling ways, um, we roll our eyes. Did I say that out loud? Sorry. See, the, the, the target of contempt is made to feel despised, and worthless. So it would play out something like this. Husband would get home from work, throw his bag down, hey babe, go sit on the couch. The wife will, at some point, will, will walk up to him and ultimately say, what you doing? No babe, I'm just tired. You tired? You know what my day's been like? I've been running after these kids. I've been cooking. Like, you're so flippin' lazy. You, you arrive here. You plonk yourself down on the couch. You play these stupid games. I, I don't need another kid in my life. I have three already. I don't need another one. You're utterly useless. Ever heard that before? No, okay, thank you, amen. <laughs> okay, yeah. Can we come live with you? <laughs> Can you see the contempt? Now, the reality is that contempt is more often than not fueled by long simmering negative thoughts about our partner, friend, spouse whatever you want to put in there. Here's the important thing for us to recognize about contempt. It's going to pop up on the screen for you. Contempt is the single greatest pre, um, pre predicator. That's it. Yeah, I'm saying that right. Hey, Predictor, sorry. I'm not wearing my glasses. I do apologize. Uh, predictor of a break in relationship. Can we read that again? Contempt is the single greatest predictor of a break in relationship. 
This thing's crucial, guys and ladies, for us to not let it slip into our lives. And that's why it needs to be eliminate, eliminated. The, the third thing that breaks relationship is defensiveness. Defensiveness. Now, let's be honest. Wherever criticism... Just load shedding. There we go. Recording okay. Cool. Wherever criticism is present, <laughs> defensiveness is hot on its heels. Because the moment I get criticized, what's my natural reaction? Defensive. I go into defensive mode. Our walls come up. I'm like, hey, I'm defending, defending, defending. And somewhere along the line, the defending will even turn into a bit of a, a, bit of a, um, a shift of blame. Isn't that the truth? It, it, it might, might play out something like this. A, a, a wife will ask her husband, she'll say, hey, did you call Joe and Susan about that visit next week? And immediately he knows, I've messed up. So what does he do? Goes into defensive mode. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I, was, I was way too busy today. In fact, you knew how busy I was going to be today. Why did, you should have phoned them. Hey? You're trying to trick me here. Come, you should have done this. Defensive mode. Not just is it defensive, but it's also shifting the blame in the moment. But imagine how liberating it would be if we just approached those moments with a bit of ownership and just went, oh, babe, you know what? I completely forgot. Sorry, man. Today, I knew today was going to be mad. And I should have asked you this morning to make that call for me. I'm so sorry. Let me quickly hop on the phone. I'll, I'll phone them and I'll set it up. That takes far less energy than the one before. In fact, super liberating. Half the, half the, the, the energy, <laughs> quarter of the energy. But somehow we always revert to the defensive aspect of it. And a lot of energy is, 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 um, is like given just to try and be right. Now, the fourth thing that breaks relationship is this, something called stonewalling, stonewalling. I think in Afrikaans, it's called stilte staper. What? Stilte staper. See, I got that wrong as well. Still staper. I should adjust my notes. What is stonewalling? Stonewalling means I just, I shun you out. I push you out. Why? Because I just don't care anymore. I just don't care anymore. I, I, I don't care enough to respond. I don't care enough to get angry. I don't care enough to even get sad. I just, I don't care. So I just stonewall you. Boom. And ultimately, stonewalling is just freezing the other person out. And the fight stops because you both have simply turned away. And in that moment, the two become two all over again. 
And it often takes a while for a relationship under the weight of criticism and contempt and defensiveness to get to this stage because that's the exact progression. But the dangers of stonewalling, I, I reckon by now you can see how destructive that is for relationships. So those are ultimately the four, the four kind of relationship killers, so to speak. Here are very quickly just four antidotes to those. My prayer for you is that today you would consider these antidotes and go, Lord, with your help, as you being the, the, third, the third cord in this, in, this, in this rope, will you come and help me to come and speak better, to come and behave better, to come and love better? So, the first one, first antidote, the antidote to criticism is this. It's a gentle startup, a gentle startup. What on earth is a gentle startup, Ramon? How do I approach the conversation? How do I approach the conversation? How am I leading into the conversation? Am I coming in guns blazing? Or do I come in with a person's best interests at heart? A gentle starter. To put it simply, we can think of, of two things. It's, it's approaching each of these conversations very, very um, purposefully. It's coming in and saying, hey, what, what do I feel and what do I need? What do I feel and what do I need? So instead of coming in with criticism and saying, man, you always think of yourself. You're so selfish. You're always hogging the conversation. Instead, what I'm doing is I'm coming in and I'm saying, hey, I feel a bit left out in this conversation tonight. Would you mind if I just took a few minutes and just told you about my day and what's been going on? Very simple. What I feel, I feel left out. What do I need? I just need to tell you about my day for a little bit. And then give the other person the exact same opportunity. It's a gentle starter. It's starting with the right intent at heart. Makes sense. Then the antidote to contempt. The antidote to contempt is to build a culture of appreciation and respect. To build a culture of appreciation and respect. See, Contempt shows up in statements that come from a position of moral superiority. Somehow I'm better than you, so I speak down at you. We've listed the examples earlier, sarcasm, cynicism, all of those things. But ultimately the antidote to contempt is to build a culture of appreciation and respect in your relationships. Guys and ladies, it's something that we that we that we cultivate in our homes. How do we do this? It's by regularly expressing appreciation for your partner. For my boy in my house, it would be for my boy, for my wife. Regularly expressing gratitude, regularly expressing affection, regularly expressing respect to the people that we love. And as we do that, we start to create a positive perspective, 
and a positive feel in our home. It's ultimately just this, 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 this call to gentleness that Scripture speaks to us about. If you've got something positive to say, don't withhold it. Give it. Another way of doing this is the, the principle of five and one. I love this principle, the principle of five and one. In other words, for every one piece of, 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 um, of negative that you need to communicate, make sure that, that you have preceded that with, with five um, positive reinforcements in your relationship, something loving, something caring. Hey, babe, thank you that you took time to do this. And don't, in the moment, go, okay, I need five. Um, thank you, please, uh, blah, blah, blah. Now, why the heck did you? No. No, it's something that we're constantly doing. In all those moments where something comes up, guys, when your wife walks into the room and she looks different, you have no cooking clue what's different, let's be honest. But you know something's different. I mean, she's just had a complete makeover, and you're like, something's different. Like, say something's different and you like it. Even be honest and say, babe, I'm going to be straight with you. I don't know exactly what it is. But whatever you did, I like it. I like it. (laughs) I better get off that one before I get myself into trouble. (laughs) All right. Then the antidote to defensiveness is to take responsibility. Take responsibility. Guys and ladies, this is something that is so missing in our world today, is for us to take responsibility. When we mess up, let's just own it, man. Take responsibility. We become defensive when we're not able to take responsibility. Defensive ways of approaching things says, um, you know, it's not my fault that we're going to be late. It's your fault because you're always getting dressed at the last second. Out your amen. Anyways, um, the, the, the antidote, the antidote is, is for me to own my part in this, to go, you know what? Um, I like being on time, but I also realize sometimes I can be a bit stringent around that. Hey, and I'm willing, I'm willing to, to play ball here. I'm willing to give you some grace in this space. What does it do? I own my part, I extend grace, and as a result, what happens? There's a sense in the relationship that, hey, we're not working against each other, but now we're working with each other. Ultimately, this relationship can work towards a healthy compromise. All right. The antidote to stonewalling, number four, is a big word that uh, ultimately is physiological self-soothing. Physiological self-soothing. When I read that, I was like, yes, that's some foo-foo word that, you know, like I'm not into all this stuff. But when I checked it out, I was like, okay, I'm into that. Um, (laughs) Here's what it is. It simply just means creating space. Stonewalling means shutting the person out. Whereas physiological self-soothing means that I'm willing to give, to, to, to take time out to get my head and my heart to relax, to get my emotions to settle. And once my emotions are settled, then I can engage in relationship again in a healthy way. Now, this is something Nats and I did early on in our marriage. 
early on in our marriage, when things would get really heated, we'd go, okay, we're not, we're not getting anywhere with this. Let's just, in her, in, her words were always, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go make a cup of tea. In my case, it was, uh, I'm going to go for a walk. But ultimately, we would, we would get out of the same room and we would ultimately just go and find space, give each other space where we could allow our heads and our heart to calm down, our emotions to settle. And then 20 minutes, and they say you don't need more than 20 minutes. That's how long it takes for your heart to settle down and for your, for your, your, your blood pressure, your heart, your heart uh, beats, all that stuff to calm down. And then you can go and sit and have a healthy conversation. These same guys who did this test, at one stage, they had couples in a room fighting, and then they'd walk into the room, and they'd, they'd say, sorry, guys, you're speaking, stop for us. We're just changing our equipment. Would you mind listening to some music, reading a book? Please don't interact. We'll be back shortly. And then they'd leave the room for 20 minutes, come back in, and re-engage the conversation, completely different conversation. Why? Because their heads and their hearts got time to breathe. Are we giving our spouses our partners, our friends, whoever we're talking about here, time to breathe. As we wrap this up today, these are the antidotes to the things that constantly divide us. And I love Jesus, the, the way that he comes and, and just speaks into these things. He says to his friends, these, these friends that betrayed him, that, that fell asleep on him, that ran away from him in moments of need, that misunderstood him, that hurt him. He comes and he says to these friends, he says this, he says, so now I give you a new command, love each other. I give you a new command, love each other, just as I have loved you, so love each other. It's your love for one another that will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Guys and ladies, when it comes to our relationships, that's God's heart for your life. That's God's heart for my life. So often in relationship, we come with a mindset of what can I get out of it? When in reality, the truth is, I should be coming into a relationship to go, how can we build together? How can we love each other? I want to say to you today, you are deeply loved. You are deeply cared for. You are deeply valued. You are deeply cherished. That's how God feels about you. And the way that he expresses his love towards you is the way that he wants you to express your love to the loved ones and the people around you. And today, as you just consider your next steps, I wonder, what was the thing that jumped out at you? What was the thing that jumped out at you today? Maybe you found yourself in a space where you know criticism's an issue. Or maybe you know that contempt is a bit of a challenge. Maybe you, you find yourself defensive quite often. Or maybe that thing of stonewalling has already set in. Where do you find yourself today? Well then, could I ask you this week, 
as you go into this week and you consider your relationship. We often talk about a replacement principle. We've spoken about it within this series. Maybe this week, the replacing that needs to happen is that you may need to replace that criticism with a gentle starter. Just come and replace that criticism with a gentle starter. Consider how I'm going to start this conversation. Consider how I'm going to go into this conversation. To come and replace contempt with appreciation and respect. To come and replace defensiveness by taking responsibility for our own thinking, our own words, our own actions. And to replace that stone warning with a limited time out. Notice it's limited, 20 minutes, or else it becomes a stone warning. A limited time out. To just go, hey, I'm going to give your head and your heart time to breathe. My head and my heart needs time to breathe. We're going to come back together and we're going to love each other back together again. I wonder where you're at today. Because no matter what you think you, or no matter what you do face in your relationships, there's one thing I can guarantee you, is that when it comes to your relationships and where you find yourself right now, He gets you. He's not distant. He's not afar off. He's not sending you heart emojis, cuddle emojis, a text message to say, I'll get back to you. No. He's right there with you. He loves you. He gets you. And as I said a couple weeks ago, He wants us to get Him and be with Him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for this morning, Lord. We thank You for what You are busy doing in our lives, Lord. And I thank You for the fact that when it comes to relationships, You are not distant and You are not You are are not um, aloof, Father God, but Lord, that you are very much present, that you are with us, that you get us, Lord. Not just do you get us, but you also speak specifically into our relationships. And I pray that as we consider um, just some very practical things that we spoke into today, Lord, that what we walk out of here today is Jesus' command to love one another the way that He loved us, meaning a sacrificial love, a love that lays down my life for my friends, for lays down my life for my neighbors, the people around me. Father God, that we will love each other with that self-sacrificial love, bold into relationship so that the world around us can see whose we are, that we are yours. Lord, I thank you that we can love you because you first loved us. We thank you that you get us. We pray, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us this morning. Trust that you have a great Sunday. Trust that you have a great relational week. Uh, got Got some homework, I reckon, all of us. Um, but uh, look forward to seeing you
next week. Have a great Sunday. We love you. If you enjoyed this session and you'd like to know more about us, then please come and connect with us through our website, our social media platforms, and come subscribe to our YouTube channel. All the links are listed below. Beyond that, we trust that you have an incredible week.